everyone. Welcome back to the Gryffindor Common Room Podcast. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm your host, Michelle. And, and this uh, week, in honor of Disability Awareness Month, we are going to be talking about disabilities in the Harry Potter universe, uh, just drawing some real-life parallels. All right. Uh, just a quick little update here for y'all and for some of y'all. And uh, for anyone that's new to the Gryffindor Common Room, uh, thank you for giving us a chance. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, thank you for, you know, taking time out of your day to sit there and listen to two crazy Gryffindor girls. Um, here we like to do deep dives into not only the books, the movies, but everything the world of Harry Potter has to offer. And sometimes we will run across topics like this. And then, you know, some episodes you get us acting crazy and not being able to find our brain cells, which happened before we started recording this episode today. Yep, this is our third time trying to record. So far it's going well. We're just hoping for the best here. First time we got it three seconds into it before it decided that it didn't like us. Second time Michelle forgot how to work the mute button (laughs) and then it petered out on us after about... 45 seconds so you know we're here now we're recording it's all good you know like you said though that's gonna make for an episode ah excellent outtakes yep. episode that's it's gonna be brilliant so yep. all right so uh i i do have to say before we get into today's topic I have something planned for you at LeakyCon. <laughs> oh, no. And no, now this is what should really scare you. Uh, Montana, uh, you, which you already know is, is a co-worker and friend of mine who also listens to our podcast. Mm-hmm. She is helping me plot this. Oh. <sighs> uh-huh. Yes, and she's then involved our coworker Alan, who has given me some brilliant ideas. So you're just ganging up on me? You're not even giving me a chance <laughs> to find an ally here? Well, and then, to top it off, Montana now has her husband involved in this. Okay, so it's four on one. I see how it is. <laughs> That's very so, Slytherin and not very Gryffindor of you. Oh no, it's very Gryffindor of me. I, I'm using... You know, my my friends to assist me in something. A Slytherin yeah, would just like, do it all on their own. No, 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 like Draco always has Crab and Goyle with him, his little henchman, because he's too cowardly to take it on by himself. Oh, you want me to do this all by myself? Because I can. I'm just saying. Well, you know, and he didn't really use Crab and Goyle. They were just more like standing Muscle. in the background looking like, yeah. Eh, yeah. Um, however, they were just helping me plot a little bit. They won't be there to actually carry out what I have planned for you. I'm so concerned. You really need to be. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you. Melissa's now involved in this too. And maybe a meal. And they are going to be there, aren't they? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> if any of you I mean, are Melissa coming to Leakycon, I need I need allies here. 
Melissa thought it was a great idea. In fact, I've got the text where I tell her and she died laughing. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She absolutely thought it was brilliant and amazing. And she's a Hufflepuff. (sighs) Okay. This is fine. Everything's fine. Uh Uh-huh. I think it's great. All right. So I just had to throw that in your face real quick because we are down to, well, we are just about two weeks out. I know. It's coming up so fast. What happened? I I don't know. My summer has been so full and so crazy. <sighs> so, okay. All right. On with today's topic. Um... You know, with a topic like this, this this will have some trigger warning for everyone. So I want to put that out there. Um, we're going to be discussing disabilities and other chronic health issues. So if this is something that you might be sensitive to, please go ahead, stop listening. Um, really don't want to upset anyone. That is never a goal within our show. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just kind of a light spoiler warning. As always, we don't know what all may come up. I know we'll be talking specifically about stuff that happens in Book 5 with St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies. You know, it very well could be any level of spoilers from throughout the series with character deaths and stuff like that. So, just a heads up on that. Yeah. Alright guys, also, before we get too far into the show, don't forget, please, 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 pretty, pretty please with a cherry on top rate and follow us wherever you are listening. This helps new listeners find the show and helps us grow. All right. On to the main discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked up the original quote from the author when she was talking about disabilities and illnesses in the series. Um, and I found this on wizardingworld.com. Um, and there were two quotes in particular that stood out to me. Uh, The first is, I decided that, broadly speaking, wizards would have the power to correct or override, quote, mundane nature, but not, quote, magical nature. Therefore, a wizard could catch anything a muggle might catch, but he could cure all of it. Uh, The second quote, Remus Lupin's affliction was a conscience reference to bloodborne diseases such as the HIV infection with the attendant stigma, the potion Snape bruised to him bruise him is akin to the antiretroviral that will keep him from developing the full-blown version of his illness. The sense of apartness that the management of a chronic condition can impose on its sufferers was an important part of Lupin's character. Meanwhile, Mad-Eye Moody is the toughest auror of them all and a man who had, who was very much more than his significant disabilities. Yeah. Um... Agree to all of that. I, I see the parallel with Lupin and HIV. I mean, he even is afraid when he and Tonks, you know, get married. <clears throat> he's not afraid for her safety, but he's afraid of having a child and passing that down to a child, which can be the same thing as, you know, a mother who is HIV positive transferring that on to her baby. Yeah. So. I do think it's interesting and like I understand her point of that of like wanting it to be this set of fantasy and 
being able to cure the things that ail muggles. Um, but at the same time, like, representation, I think, matters a little bit more than escapism. And I think it would have meant... I know it would have meant a lot to me if there had been, like, a diabetic character. I know there's a lot of people with, like, physical disabilities that if they had seen somebody, like, that had to use a broom to get around or something like that, that would have really meant a lot to them in terms of representation. And I see it both ways as someone who, you know, suffers from some chronic illnesses. It's nice sometimes while that representation is out there. And don't get me wrong. I like the representation. I like knowing I'm not the only one. Mm Mm-hmm. But in a way, sometimes I want that escapism. I would like to live, I would like to live in a world where I could take a potion and it goes away. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes having that fantasy, you know, makes you, I wouldn't say necessarily forget completely, but for a time it makes you forget what you're dealing with, what you have. And sometimes that is what we need for our mental health. Yeah, that's fair. You know, sometimes that mental health break does more good than seeing someone with your ailment being represented. So Mm -hmm. it it can go both ways. And I see both sides of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can't say that if I were to write my own series of books that I wouldn't do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but also, you know, she takes the disabilities and she doesn't make light of them either. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she's just sweeping them under the rug, you know? And then when you look at like Mad-Eye Moody, who is definitely disabled, um, and he has, you know, aids to help him. He's still tough. So that you get that representation there of, yes, you can have a disability, but you're stronger than that disability. Mm-hmm. So it, both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So mm. that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. So, all right. So then we get into to squibs. Um, and for those who don't know the, the term, because I don't remember if, if they truly covered the term in the movies, in the books, it's all over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the movies, that's where I have a hard time remembering if that term was used. That is a non-magical person born into magical families or to a magical parent. So we have Argus Filch and Arabella Fig. Which I thought it was interesting when I'm like typing this out and I'm like, interesting that the two like, most common squibs that we see the most both have the initials AF. Right. Um, um, yeah, go, what were you going to say? I don't, I included squibs on this list just because it's a very interesting parallel to living with disability in the modern world. So even though it's not like Lupin or Moody where they have like a specific health issue that, you know, directly relates to health issues that muggles might have it's kind of the same as like um you know me i don't have a work you know my pancreas decided to peter out it no longer makes insulin making me diabetic 
it, it's kind of, I feel a little bit seen by the squibs that, like, they're born into this world, everyone around them has magic, but they do not, you know. Right, it is an, an interesting parallel, I agree with you there. Um, I was going to say pretty much the same thing. You know, it's like you live in this world and everyone can do this particular things and you cannot. Mm-hmm. And you're not alone, but you kind of feel alone. Yeah. And people will have varying attitudes toward it. Like, um, I know Umbridge, her brother was actually a squib. Mm-hmm. And she was just absolutely mortified by that fact, refused to even acknowledge that she had a brother, acted like she was an only child, acted like she was a pureblood because of the shame and the stigma around it. Whereas, right. like Mrs. Fig, we see, uh, you know, Mundungus Fletcher is still like spending time with her. He's not treating her like she's other. Right. Uh, and look at Dumbledore. He trusts her. Mm hmm. Because, well, I, I don't, I don't remember if it's outright said in the books more than implied. So not only is she a squid, but she lives near Harry mm-hmm. and she keeps an eye out on for him, on him before he enters the magical world. Mm-hmm. And then even afterwards. Um, so she's trusted by Dumbledore in the same way that Filch is. He has entrusted them both with very important jobs. And it doesn't bother him that they're, you know, squibs or any, they're not seen as less than in his eyes. Yeah. I will say I would absolutely hate to be filch where you're in a school with a bunch of magical children all the time and said children just enjoy taunting you for the sake of taunting you that just sounds absolutely miserable right um you know and i'm not saying they were right to taunt him but you know also let's let's be honest he uh he didn't exactly make life too pleasant for them either that's true it definitely went both ways he uh liked to antagonize sometimes <laughs> Hmm. oh yeah um and when he knew he had the upper hand he was pretty mean about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that was his jealousy of, oh, I'm a squib, you're not. Or if that was just he didn't like children or that's just how he was. Yeah, I could see all of those things being a factor. Right. I don't I don't think any single one of those is like the reason, but I think all of those played a part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. If I had to choose them between being a squib and being a muggle, I'd rather be a squib. Yeah. So you could still, like, see all the magical creatures and you're still somewhat involved with the world. Not fully, but you can still be part of things. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I could have friends that could do magic. I could... You know, go get a butterbeer, you know, in Hogsmeade. Couldn't do any spells, but, you know, I'd rather be here. Exactly. You know, I mean, let's, let's take, you know, take the good with that. So I think I'd rather, it'd be nice to, to be a part of it, even if I couldn't be fully a part of it. 
Yeah. So butterbeer is so 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 incredibly magical. <laughs> you mean next year we're I'm gonna find out. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're doing this next year. We we have to. Gotta gotta do it. Gotta do it. It that's yeah <laughs> yeah. So you know, and then we get into characters with disabilities. Um, Who? And those are there's so there's some big disabilities here. Mm-hmm. So the first one we already had mentioned uh, was Mad Eye Moody, uh, who's missing an eye, he's missing a leg, missing part of his nose, um, and like when I was reading that article on WizardingWorld.com, it kind of explained that the author's intent behind this was seeing like if something was cursed off by magic it couldn't be grown back or replaced so that's the reason why like when george's ear gets cut off at the beginning of deathly hollows it can't be grown back because it was cursed off and that's why mad eye moody can't get a replacement eye or a replacement like he has to have prosthetics right whereas if it had just been a quidditch accident you know, um, and that's how Fred's ear mm-hmm. or George's ear, sorry, had been removed. Okay, we'll we'll get you a new one. Not a problem. Yep. Regrow um, all the bones in your arm after your idiot teacher <laughs> removes them. No problem. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. Which is interesting because the bones were technically removed by magic, but it wasn't like dark, malicious magic. So maybe that's the difference there? No, I mean... I think his bones, when they were removed, was a healing spell gone wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? It wasn't... The spell intended to remove them. Correct. Yes. Um, ah, yes. Well, the point is that they're no longer broken. <laughs> they can't be broken if they're not there. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, let, let, let's talk about this. Dude, what the heck? Um, such a moron. Um, yeah, so... I think it's nice, though, that prosthetics were incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... How do I put it? It's it's kind of makes you see he's got something that really could have affected him long-term without question and he just went and got help for it yeah take more than that to knock him down Uh uh-huh exactly um moody's also just very his attitude though about it too is he doesn't see himself as disabled He's very much, I can still do this. You can't stop me. I dare you to try. 
Yeah, pretty much. Like, he, he almost laughs about it when he's, like, in the pensive and I think it's book six where he's like, oh, yeah, I took him out. He took a chunk of my nose with him, but oh, well, what can you do? Right? Well, and then, you know, we see after Goblet of Fire when he is rescued. I mean, this is a man who, number one, is disabled. Mm-hmm. His prosthetic eye has been removed because that is what Barty Crouch Jr. is using. Yep. They get him out of that trunk. And then he's back to being, pardon my French, a badass horror. Yeah, just goes right back to it. Like, no big, no big deal. I'm just like, I would not be mentally stable if I had spent an entire school year locked in a trunk having somebody just continually removing pieces of my hair all the time like <laughs> i mean then again this is mad eye moody um it, he's not that mentally stable to begin with true but in a way he is you know mm. he is but he isn't he, he's very paranoid i wonder why yeah dark wizard but, catcher but where <laughs> right but where it counts he's never let any of this slow him down and i think that's a a great attitude to have you know yes you're disabled yes there's something wrong there is nothing stopping you from you know doing stuff with your life it may not be what you want to do you know you know if you're paralyzed no you know you're not gonna have your dream of being a ballet dancer however that doesn't mean you can't be a choreographer. Yeah. You, you might have to adapt. It might look different than what you imagined. But, you know, people with disabilities can still live a full and happy life. And you and I can say that, like, as people who live with disabilities and chronic health issues. Yeah, life looks different for me now that I'm diabetic than it looked when I was younger or how I thought it would look you know, but it hasn't stopped me from still doing the things that I want to do, even if it looks a little different. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Um, my, my biggest, I say my biggest disability is my fibromyalgia. Um, there are days where the, because and for those who don't know, fibromyalgia does not necessarily attack the muscles so it can cause muscle pain it that it more goes towards the ligaments and tendons and there are times the ligaments and tendons on the tops of my feet are killing me i will like it red understands this now i think more than ever now that she works for the same company i do you know working a double shift and after that double shift i'm limping and it has nothing to do with my knees my ankles my hips it has to do with the tops of my feet a long time to be on your feet mm-hmm. for anybody yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know sometimes it's, it's like okay i really shouldn't have done that and there have been times yes where i have gone to the store i have gotten to the front of the store and i look at the store and i went yeah i can't walk this right now i'm in the middle of a fibro flare-up this is not happening all right where's the wheelchair you know yep 
and and do i get looks oh yeah i get looks oh well she just walked in here from her car there's nothing wrong with her okay and that that used to bother me now it doesn't now it, it's okay you know um you can think what you want i know what's really going on um but i'd like right. to say that mm-hmm. right and that's part of kind of the importance of disability awareness month is helping people to be aware that like the majority of illnesses or of chronic health issues of disabilities are not ones that are easily visible from the outside like mm-hmm. both you and i at a glance unless somebody happens to see my insulin pump or catches you on a day with a bad flare they would have no idea that we're not perfectly healthy but that doesn't make us any less disabled <laughs> right well and that's you know i was actually trying to explain months ago that to someone um that you know if let's say that I don't know, you, Emma and I went somewhere. They're going to see, because she is apparently, obviously, you know, in a wheelchair. Oh, we've got one disabled person here. And you and I are, they look at, oh, well, at least you two are normal. You have no clue what's going. Number one. The three of us, none of us are normal <laughs> <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but then it, it's, and I, I don't feel like, oh, well, I wish someone would look at me and see that I'm disabled. I like the fact that I can hide it when I want to. Um, but at the same time, don't make assumptions that just because you see someone and they quote unquote look normal that they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And totally. Because, like, even at Fan Expo, we noticed this because, like, between the two of us, Emma medically would be a lot more okay to stand and wait. Well, not to stand, but to wait in a longer line because she doesn't have, like, time-sensitive health issues. Like, either way, she's just sitting and chilling in her chair. Whereas me with diabetes, like, if I have suddenly, like, a low blood sugar hit me, if I don't have sugar on me, like, I have to make sure when that hits, I have sugar that I can have right away so that I'm not at risk of passing out, having a seizure, dying, any of that sort of thing. But when these handlers for these celebrities in the lines at convention see us, they bump us up to the front because they see a person in a wheelchair. That's the disabled person. They're the ones who needs the accommodations. And I'm not discounting those accommodations. Those are very good. And I'm very glad that those exist. It's just like interesting that yeah, people just go off of assumptions like that. Right. And it, you know, going off of assumptions, if, you know, for people who don't know anything about diabetes or, and and the two stretches of, because it's not, diabetes is, yes, the illness, but there are two facets to that. Well, three, you can have your normal levels and then you either slip into hyperglycemia or hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's always amazing uh, when I've been with diabetic friends and they have an episode of hyperglycemia mm-hmm. the high blood sugar uh huh and people go oh do you need sugar and I'm like 
don't offer them more sugar, please. <laughs> like this is no, no, no. Um, or the people yes, you when can... your blood sugar is low and they ask if you need more insulin and you're like, no, no, just <sighs> no. <laughs> yes. And if you don't know what you're looking for, uh, because some of the, uh, I guess signs can be very similar. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, you know, if I tell you that I have blood sugar issues and I tell you I have a headache, my vision's going blurry. It could be either. Okay. It could right. It could be either. Now, if I tell you I'm shaky, okay, we're leaning more towards hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. Um, if I tell you I'm really hot, all of a sudden. We're definitely leaning towards hypoglycemia yeah. for me because I mean, I know for me, my blood sugar dips and I get very warm. Oh yeah. It feels like I'm in a room that's like 120 degrees. Uh-huh. Yes. Which is funny because I'm always the one freezing, putting on a jacket. So if we're out in the middle of the snow and I'm taking off my jacket. Yeah. yeah. Um, Get me a soda, a pack of Skittles. <laughs> some honey, honey on the tongue, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's so funny because, you know, you or I could easily, because me being a hypoglycemic and you being a diabetic, we could be standing in line at LeakyCon. One of us could ha- suddenly have a blood sugar issue. And unless we verbalize it, no one is going to be able to look at us and say, oh, crap, we need medical attention. And that is why it's important to have buddies that you communicate with that even if they themselves are not disabled, that you just communicate your needs so that they can help. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, you know, and that, so our, our disabilities, cause they're not visual. They remind me a lot of, of Lupin. Absolutely. I relate a lot, a lot to Lupin's character and his feelings toward being a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that was a good representation, too, of someone with an invisible illness that still was living their life. Yep. Um, He didn't let it hold him back, but there were certain limitations that he did have to face with that. You know, he had to make sure that he was taking his potion every month and he had to be aware of, you know, what phase the moon is in to make sure that he's not putting others in danger. He had to do things to manage that condition, but he still lived a full life. And also I need people to remember, you know, when they read the books, especially now, or they see the movies. Yes. In today's society, he would not be treated like that, but this is the eighties and the nineties. And it was a very real you know, when you're doing that comparison to HIV and AIDS, that was a very real possibility that if your employer found out, you were out of a job. Yeah. Um, not I, I to mention, a, uh, yeah. Not to mention wizard society in terms of things like that tends to be a couple decades behind muggle society. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, sometimes a couple of centuries, yeah. But again, you know, that is 
doing that comparison though, that, that was a very good comparison Mm because a lot of people go, Oh, well, you know, today we'd accept him and it'd be fine. And da, 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 da. Okay. Yes. But Harry Potter did not happen in the two thousands. It happened, you know, when he was first bitten, what was what the sixties, seventies. So he's living through this, through the seventies, eighties and nineties, three decades that were not accepting. Not at all. No, especially the 80s. The 80s were horrible. Um, you know, so don't, don't think that, you know, she, she did this and made him an outcast because there was something wrong with him. No, it's because that was what they went through at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, and I think it's a great parallel, too, because a lot of times with HIV and AIDS, it was like, well, they did something to deserve this. And it's like, n- no, nobody deserves to have a chronic illness like this. It's right. Like, literally with Lupin, he was bitten when he was a kid. There was nothing he could have done to prevent it. And that's, you know, like, I feel that a lot with diabetes because people are like, oh, diabetes, did you eat too much sugar as a kid? No, it's an autoimmune disease. That, like, literally I was diagnosed when I was in college and I was a college athlete who was eating really well and working out daily. And my pancreas just decided my beta cells are no longer going to work. We're no longer producing insulin. And that was just it. And now I'm on insulin. There's a treatment available for it, but it's not something that can be cured. No. No. It's not like they can go in and just zap your pancreas and make it just work again. If it were that easy, you would have done that a long time ago. Yep. You would have been the first one in line for that one. I have no doubt. <laughs> you would have been like, yeah. cut me open. I'm good. Let's go. Let's come on. Yeah. I've been casting for 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Down for that. Um, right. And... I think Lupin, you know, like you said, he was a kid. Didn't do anything. No. No. He Um, couldn't have done anything to prevent it. There was no curing it. It was not his fault. It just happened. Right. Right. You know, and and you're going to get those those people who are going to be harsh when it comes to HIV and AIDS to say, Oh, well, you know, if you had done this or you, you had been cleaner or you had, okay. For a long time, we didn't know what it was. Yep. So don't go blaming people when all of a sudden there's a new illness out there that yes, now we know how to prevent it. We know what to do. We know to get tested. We know this and that. Um, but that, wasn't always the case it was a newer thing Mm -hmm. and and with new ailments you have to give them time before we figure out everything so um you know and and if you do want to look at it and go well i believe it's the person's fault Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna be the mean one here and say please turn off the podcast because that's something i won't tolerate (laughs) no no we are not no we are not about that in here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so let's go on to another one. And this is almost 
comparable to a squib, but not. The person could be confused for a squib. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. We've got um, Ariana Dumbledore, and kind of by extension, I think Credence is a yes, is a valid extension here. So bringing in a little bit of the Fantastic Beasts series, I know we don't usually talk about that series, but a lot of what we know about Ariana is actually from the third Fantastic Beasts movie. Right, and it, we get, you know, even if we hadn't heard from about her in Fantastic Beasts, we would have been able to put the pieces between the two characters and gone, ah, that's what they meant when they talked about this. Because didn't Ariana have this in Harry Potter? Yes. Yeah. So. So they were both, they both had what was called an obscurial. So basically they're born magical, but they try to hide their magical abilities to the point where it's repressed and it becomes kind of its own beast in a way that just Mm -hmm. takes over and lashes out right and in both cases it was trauma yep that caused them to become like that um with cranes it was abuse and um with ariana it was witnessing everything not only the abuse she went through but then witnessing everything that happened yeah um yeah that who and i don't think we have any you know if witnessing trauma can help or cause it not help it but cause it it's almost amazing luna didn't become one yeah after watching her mother die violently in a magical accident when she was like nine right in front of her yeah because that would be very traumatic yeah that would yeah um harry harry by all definitions should have become one I think the reason that Harry didn't, though, is because he, like, A, didn't necessarily know about magic, and he wasn't trying to repress it. So it was different from, like, Credence, who was, like, just trying to hide it. He knew that he was magical, was trying to just shove it down and ignore it and not express that part of himself at all. Whereas Harry was just kind of like, uh, yeah, all these weird things keep happening around me, like... That sweater shrunk and my hair grew back and the glass disappeared at the zoo. It was really weird. Right. Um, now, I mean, okay, let's let's pretend that fanfic is credible. Um, a lot of the fanfics out there have toddlers and sometimes babies. I mean, what well, we actually get this with Teddy Lupin. Bouts of accidental magic. Mm-hmm. Teddy Lupin's hair keeps changing color. Mm-hmm. Not something they can control. No. Now in the fanfic world, you get it more along the age age two. Um, you know, baby sees the stuffed animal it wants across the room. 
mommy and daddy aren't necessarily looking at them. And they're like, well, I want that stuffed animal. Next thing you know, stuffed animals in their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, one fanfic I read, it was absolutely hilarious. It was supposed to be a day in the life of Ron and Hermione. Mm-hmm. And Rose was like age two. And Ron put veggies on her plate. And he's like, come on, you know, you need to eat your veggies. You need to be a good girl. And she did not want them. So she crossed her arms over her chest and the plate went flying at Ron. (laughs) And that is absolutely something a two-year-old would do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not eating those veggies, daddy. You can't make me. You know, and then Hermione came Right. And then Hermione came back in the kitchen and she's just like dying laughing as Ron's got uh, a carrot up his nose. (laughs) And there, yeah, there was a carrot up his nose, some peas in his hair, and like mashed potatoes all down his shirt. Mm. And she's just like dying laughing. He's like, it's not funny. She's like, oh, you should see yourself. You look ridiculous. It's hilarious. And then, yeah, yeah, and then she's like, come on, sweetheart, eat your veggies. And she gives her a plate and Rose Rose eats them. But (laughs) also in character for a kid. Yeah. Oh, mommy said to. Okay. Um, but again, it, it's bouts of that accidental magic. So if we take fanfic into consideration and this is what happens, did Harry have a bout of accidental magic? If so, did the Dursleys catch in onto it? I think they did. Cause remember like there was, and it doesn't really go into it in the movies, but in the books, like you know, Harry's being chased around by Dudley and the other school bullies, and all of a sudden he finds himself on top of the school building. Or, uh, you know, they get tired of his hair, and Aunt Petunia gives him this horrendous haircut, and he grows his own hair back overnight, right. where she tries to force that ugly sweater on him, and it keeps shrinking until it's too small. Well, I'm thinking of, like, when he's little, little. Oh. Where, you know, was there a point? Because he had already... You know, he was, what, nine months old when he went to live with them? Uh, he was a little over a year old because it was... Oh, well, that's right. A little over a year. Right. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, one year and one quarter. Yeah. Because <laughs> we did the nine three quarters math. Um, so, you know, he's been in the magical world. He's been on a toy broom tormenting the cat mm-hmm. thank you to his godfather for that um <laughs> as you do right um so this is probably acceptable there was probably a time where he's like reaching for his bottle and just magics into his hand and then he's in with the dursleys i wonder if anything ever happened at around that same age maybe up to two three years old mm. and they just tried to suppress it with him yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Makes you wonder. All the hypotheticals. I know. I love hypotheticals. They're so much fun. <laughs> what if? Um, so, yeah. Um, and of course, Ariana meets a very tragic end. Uh, not due to her... Um, own internal explosion as it were, would be um, but 
you know, we went into that into the episode of Dumbledore. So, yeah, that was a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, that event, not the episode. The episode was really good. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> no, 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 that episode. No, we. I'm gonna shut up. That's fine. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say. <laughs> yep. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, next characters that we had on our list, um, and we're just going to kind of go into St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies, uh, and we've got the characters visit there in book five, um, and we see Neville's parents as well as Professor Lockhart all there. Yeah. And it's interesting that... Mr. Weasley, who's there for very much an acute injury that's like he was injured, he's going to get care for a couple of days, and then he's going home, is in the same ward as Lockhart, who's been there for about two and a half years at that point, and as Neville's parents, who presumably have been in there over a decade. Mm-hmm. And all of that long-term care is all in the same place as somebody who's just there for a couple of days. I think, though, that he, that Arthur Weasley was there because it was life or death. Yeah. You know, it's not like he just went and had bones regrown because, you know, a teacher was an idiot. Or um, that, I don't know, maybe he needed his tonsils out or something like that. Mm-hmm. This was a, he could have died. And they had difficulty getting those wounds to close back up and actually start that healing process because they were magically inflicted. Right. And then you also, you don't know, even when you get the wounds closed up, they had no way of knowing what was going to continue to happen with him. Yeah. So, um, you want to explain about Neville's parents for anyone who, who don't know the, the whole story on that? Yeah, so after Voldemort goes after the Potters and disappears, Bellatrix and her husband Rodolphus and Barty Crouch Jr. all decide to go after Frank and Alice Longbottom, trying to find information about Voldemort. Why they thought that those two Aurors would have that information, I don't know. And use the Cruciatus curse on them until they tortured them literally into insanity. And they do not recognize Neville. Um, Neville is being raised by his grandmother. And they don't recognize her either. Yeah. And even when Harry finds this out, he's not sure what to do with the information. Because he's like, I mean, I lost my parents to Voldemort too but you know he recognizes the difference of how it could be just as hard if not more difficult to have your parents still be alive but they don't know you don't recognize you right I now I think that there's something in Alice that does recognize him mm-hmm. when she gives him the wrapper yeah 
I know. It's very sad. Thank you to the author for pulling at our heartstrings with that one. Yeah, no kidding. It's not nice. Um, but she doesn't know Neville's name. She can't say his name. No. But also that's, that wing. Go ahead. I was going to say that that's it's, it's very much a similarity to Alzheimer's. Yeah. You know, uh, the, right. The person's there physically, but, you know, and still has some, you know, I would say the, the, the mid-levels Alzheimer's, um, it, speaking as someone who's had a family member with it, um, you know, there was a point where, for example, my Nana could still walk around. You know, she may not know where she was going, but she could walk. Um, it's the same thing with, with Frank and Alice Longbottom. They can walk. They can move. They're not bedridden but they have no clue who anyone is. Um, they could be introduced to someone in the morning and have no clue who they were later on. Yeah. Yeah. Just brutal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, like you were saying, we have the idiot professor. Yeah. Professor Lockhart, the, you know, in college, I got myself a beta fish and I was like, I want to find it the perfect name for him that like, I want it to be a Harry Potter character, but also kind of a pun. Oh, I know. I'll go with Gil Deroy Lockhart. <laughs> and I didn't realize how perfect it was until like, I was looking up ways to like interact with your beta fish and somebody recommended like, getting a mirror and playing with the mirror with the fish. Well, I get the mirror out. He sees his reflection and swims away to go hide. <laughs> Which is not like usually beta fish will like interact with their reflection and just kind of play around like that. Nope. Gilderoy went and hid. I was like, you are aptly named. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know what happened to Lockhart's brain. It ended up in a fish. In the U.S. <laughs> R.I.P. Gilderoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Lockhart's injury, he, he caused to himself. Yes. Which, I'm sorry to say that I laughed when it happened. But I laughed in the book and I laughed in the movie. Well, because it's presented as something comedic and like... First off, he's trying to wipe the memory of these two 12-year-olds, which is just like, we find out he's been doing this to a ton of other people, which is absolutely terrible at any age, but especially when you're doing this to kids. Uh-huh. And then it backfires on him and wipes his own memory, and there's no way to undo it because it's magically inflicted. He's an idiot. Yeah. I, I I love the line where uh, they're like, oh, yeah, the Chamber of Secrets monster has Ginny Weasley. It's down in the chamber. And then, 
you know, Gilderoy comes along and both Snape and McGonagall are both just like, oh, good, you're here. Weren't you just telling us that you knew exactly where it is and how to defeat it? Why don't you just go on and you can deal with it? And he's like, right. Yes, I will just go prepare my things and do that. And he disappears and McGonagall's like, okay, good. Now that we've got that idiot out of the way, let's actually make a plan here. And you know that it, there was a bet going on between Snape and McGonagall. Yeah. Is he going to get okay, eaten five, or stabbed? <laughs> five, five Galleons says the idiot dies. Oh, no, I'm not taking that bet. How does he die? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fine. Ten Galleons, you're on. <laughs> yep. And then which one of them had to pay up when they find out he obliviated himself? Oh, my goodness. I... And again, like we said, we are not into placing the blame on people who are victims of something that somebody else did to them. But he literally did this to himself. And he did this to so many other people that he's wiped their memories. It's kind of hard to feel bad for him. Like, can you feel bad for him? Like, honestly? A little bit. A little bit. Because I think it would be terrible for anybody to just lose your memory and not know who you are but you kind of did this to yourself dude yeah you know if any character was deserving other than umbridge and her fate with the centaurs um it was definitely him mm-hmm. um you know there was some improvement though with uh lockhart though yeah because he started signing signatures and they were like well maybe that means he knows who he is (sighs) yeah Uh, i still don't feel bad for him i mean you know if he, and I guess part of the reason I don't feel bad for him is that if he had not ended up in the Janice Thickey ward at St. Mungo's, he would have been put in Azkaban. Yeah. So, uh, let's see, Azkaban or Janice Thickey with some memory loss or a lot of memory loss. Yeah, he got, he actually got off easy. Very true. So it's very hard to then feel bad for someone who should be doing hard time. Yep. It's a valid point. I had not thought of that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because there's no way once that was brought to light that anyone would have been like, oh, yeah, what you did was okay. That's fine. We get it. (laughs) I mean. So when we talk about the Janice Thickey Ward, though, um, they do mention... Um, this is a, uh, when they're, they're there, uh, at St. Mungo's talking to the golden trio and Jenny, um, Miriam's, uh, Strout says this, this is our long-term resident ward. 
for permanent spell damage, you know. Of course, with intensive remedial potions and charms and a bit of luck, we can produce some improvement. Gilderoy does seem to be getting back some sense of himself, and we've seen a real improvement in Mr. Bode. He seems to be regaining the power of speech very well, though he isn't speaking any language we recognize yet. Well, I must finish giving out the Christmas presents. I'll leave you all to chat. So the fact that they actually have all of this going on says a lot about this kind of spell damage. Mr. Bode, is that Millicent Bode's dad? Uh, it's Broderick Bode. Let me double check that. Let's just double check. Um, it doesn't it doesn't say here. Yeah, it does not say. Um, however, Broderick Bode was a British wizard and unspeakable, working in the British Ministry of Magic's Department of Mysteries. Um, and he was a friend of Arthur Weasley. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he was murdered. Right, because he's the one that somebody brought in a plant that they thought was just innocent, and then it ended up strangling him, right? Uh-huh. It was a dis disguised cutting of Devil's Snare. Yep. So, um, and Harry found out during the Battle of Department of Mysteries. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but no, it doesn't say if they're related though. I, I can't, I mean, I think he's listed in the, um, no, it doesn't say he was Listen to Sacred 28. I thought it did for a second. Huh. Uh, Lucius is the one who placed him under the Imperius curse, though. Hmm. I do remember that. I almost said Malfoy, but then I realized that could have been taken as Draco. Yep. So, let's... Let's, let's specify so, which yeah. Malfoy. Yes, which evil little ferret it was. Um... <laughs> I'll give you 10 bucks if uh, you take a stuffed ferret and, and show it to Tom Felton. Am, am I just going to continue building on all the things that you're, all the cash you're going to give me if I just like, here's our podcast. Comment. You're actually a Gryffindor. Here's a white ferret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how this works. Okay. I, and, and I just want to sit there and get his reaction. Great. Oh my goodness. I mean, I think it's a great idea. Um, I think it's going to be hilarious. But, but yeah, so, I mean, the fact, like I said, though, the fact that they have this whole wing dedicated or ward dedicated to people who have been cursed in such a way is almost horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 
thinking about it and this just popped into my head. So hopefully I can word this properly. Um, it almost shows though. That the author believes that physical disabilities are not as horrific as the mental ones. Yeah. Which is actually, which is actually somewhat of a positive thing because it almost says, you know, if you're physically disabled, you can still live a pretty damn good life. Yeah. I think it can be a little dangerous at times though, to try to compare different disabilities and like, Like, I get a lot of people that are like, oh, why am I complaining about, you know, having a cold for a week or whatever? Like, you have it so much worse because you have diabetes and you have to deal with that every single day. And it's like, just because I deal with diabetes every single day, it doesn't make your burden suck less. You know, or like, Emma and I have this discussion because our disabilities are so vastly different from each other. Right. But... Like, it's kind of nice in a way because then, like, I'm able to help her with the physical stuff that she needs help with because physically I'm fully capable. But then, like, if my blood sugar is high or low or, you know, if I'm needing help with something like that, she's able to help me with that. When I'm struggling to communicate, she can communicate for me what I need. Right. Well, um, what I mean by that is that you know and again it's not comparing the disabilities it's i think it's it's the author's way of saying yes okay there is something physically wrong with you don't let it stop you you know you know you're not it's not the end of the world you know you're not uh in a ward somewhere unable to even say your own name you can still do this which is kind of nice because it gives that positive enforcement because i i see it a lot um and let's let's do a little bit of backstory here so all of my girls are on the autism spectrum um like their mother um when eileen who is now 18 was in pre-K, she could not speak. She could babble uh, and she was trying to speak, but you could not understand. You might get one word a week that you could understand. Um, And then we got to the point where in kindergarten, she's like, okay, she can speak. But kindergarten, and this wasn't anyone being cruel. Okay. So I don't want anyone to go, well, they never should have told you this. This is the reality we were facing at the time. She may never be able to graduate high school. She may never be able to, or regular high school. She may never be able to go to college. She's now a college student. She is, as we speak, doing a summer program at the, at one of the universities and she's doing it. So, you know, a lot of the times, and there's nothing wrong with being realistic and saying, Hey, you can't do this. Mm. Don't think you can physically or mentally that there's no possible way Mm -hmm. let's be realistic but then we get to the point where people all through high school went well are you sure you can go to college 
And she's like, yeah, I can go to college. Shut up. Yes, when she was younger, it was it was a very real concern. Um, but as she got older, people were still saying it. And I get that they thought they were being nice, but they weren't. So, yeah, I think this is the author's way of almost correcting that and being like, don't let anyone tell you, oh, because of this, you can't do that. Let's be realistic about your physical limitations or your mental but that doesn't mean you still can't have a future. Like we said before, so, it might look different than what you expected, but it's not going to prevent you from doing most of the things that you want to do. Oh, yeah. You know, we're the ones that put the limitations on ourselves half the time. So. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. I think we're about ready for Quizzler. <laughs> oh boy. I'm gonna be nice this time. Maybe. This time. Maybe. I pressed the button. I did. I pressed it. it Every just time. Make me shush it. You know, I could make you go back and edit this. I'll just leave it in. It's fine. Yeah, you have enough editing to do after today. <laughs> um, okay, my question for you. Um, what Hogwarts house would you sort Buffy and Spike into? Who? Uh, <sighs> Buffy is easy. She is a Gryffindor. Um, she believes in standing up for what's right. Does she make mistakes? Oh, oh, my poor sweet Buffy and Summers. Yes, yes, she makes tons of mistakes. But she doesn't make them maliciously. It's, you know, if she does something wrong, it's never with malicious intent. Spike. William Pratt. Um, yeah, that was his name. Spike was a Pratt and Spike was British. So that's, that's always a fun play on his name. Um, as William Pratt, he was a Ravenclaw. Uh, very smart. Actually, no, he was a Hufflepuff. He was smart, but, um, he was actually known as, William the Bloody, um, which was actually short for William the Bloody Bad Poet, because <laughs> his, his poetry was quite horrific. Um, I'll have to send you one of the, the poems from there. It, it, it's bad. It's, <laughs> it's like Joss Whedon went, who can write the most horrible poem that Spike would write? And they had a contest and they came up with a doozy. Um as Spike, I want to say that he was a Slytherin and not a bad Slytherin. I mean, Spike was a very evil character to begin with. But then when he changed allegiances and he was good, he was still a Slytherin. Um, and secondary house Gryffindor. He was very ferocious, very 
vicious if you hurt someone he cared about. Mm-hmm. And he would do nothing. Uh, so there's another character. Her name is Dawn Summers. And he calls her Bite Size. <laughs> uh, which is great for a vampire to call a child Bite Size. Um, <laughs> but Dawn almost becomes like his little sister. Aww. And yeah, it's Buffy's little sister, but it kind of becomes his little sister. And he's very protective of her. Mm-hmm. And I think that if it came to torturing someone to protect her or Buffy or Buffy's mom, he would do it in a heartbeat. He wouldn't even stop to think about it. He'd be like, you're not hurting the ones I care about. And mm-hmm. I'm going to make you pay for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very tenacious. If he was going to get something, he was going to get it. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't stop him. So... So that's my answer for any of you Buffy fans. I don't All have right. an answer to that because I know nothing about No. I just wanted to ask you a question to get some uh, hype built for your Buffy panel that you'll be doing at LeakyCon. Eek. Yes, I'm so hyped for that one. Okay, so my question for you. We've gone through the disabilities. If you could pick one to cure, and only one, which one would you cure? Out of the ones in Harry Potter? Yes. I think I would say lycanthropy, like being a werewolf, because a lot of the people that that affected, it was just entirely not their fault, and then that's one that like when you're in werewolf form like you lose your mind you don't even know you don't even recognize your very best friend and so it's easier for that to be something that spreads that pain to other people as well and so I think that would be the one that I would cure just to help protect the innocent but then also to prevent the malicious use of it like what Fenrir did you know to prevent him from using it in the evil way that he did I like that um I think I would agree with you on that one and I was thinking about it and you just said something that I think hit the nail on the head for you and me as well uh you said when someone's in werewolf form they can't they they don't know what they're doing It's like you can see yourself doing it and you know you shouldn't be doing it, but you're doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I hope you've never experienced it. I have way too many times. Um, When you hit that hypoglycemic point and you start that insane process where you start losing your mental facilities, for me, it's like being in a horror movie and I'm like, Michelle, don't say that. Don't say that to that person. Don't say that to that person. Or don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, you just did that. Oops. You probably shouldn't have done that. It's like watching yourself in a movie and you can't stop yourself. Yep. Yep. Mine mine is more with the high blood sugars because I get very, very cranky. And like, I really try not to take it out on other people. But especially when I've been high for a long time and I'm not feeling good. 
Like, it's so easy for me to, like, snap at people or just say super rude things. I just lose any sort of a vocal filter that I had to begin with. Um, Which is limited as it is. Yeah, yeah, it's not good when that disappears entirely. Um, yeah. Now, <laughs> see, that's interesting. Yours is with more the high and mine's the, the low. Because my mind's mine dipped down to the, I think it was the high 40s one time. Oof. And, uh, and my poor husband. Oh my gosh. I snapped. He said something about, well, you just need to go eat. Just shut up and go eat. And of course, when you hit that point in your blood sugar, you don't want to eat. You're past the point of wanting to eat because nothing sounds good. You're just like, don't leave want me to. alone to die. Yes. And for the record, she's not even exaggerating because this low blood sugar can kill you. Literally. Um, <laughs> literally. Um, it is more common to die from low than it is from high. Um, <laughs> and I could just, and I just, I went off. I went off on this horrible tirade i called him every name in the book i think i threw something at him and i'm just i'm going off and at at the time um my best friend's name was sarah at the time and he actually called her he's like i don't know what's up with your best friend and she just said this and da 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 and first thing out of sarah's mouth is did she eat he's like i don't know and she won't go eat she's like ah i'm on my way over and you gotta understand like Sarah it, it was very thin, but very tall and could hold me down. Mm. And she literally forced me into the dining room chair, sat on me so I wouldn't move and pried open my mouth and started putting food in my mouth. That would do So it. I kind of, yeah, so I kind of get where Lupin's coming from on that. You know, you see yourself and you're like, I shouldn't do that. You know, I probably, like him, I probably shouldn't attack those kids Oh yeah, did I just did I just chase after them? Oh, that was that was not a good move. Ooh, yikes! Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that again? Hmm. You you can't stop yourself. You're shouting at yourself. Yeah, and I I'm pro- willing to bet because of the remorse you see him feel throughout the books, especially he knows what's going on when he's in that form. Mm-hmm. He just can't stop himself. Mm-hmm. So, all right, on to voicemails. Yep. I hope there are other voicemail plays right. <laughs> okay, see, what, what goes on with that music there, we need to do with the others. So I don't have to press the stop button, it just stops. <laughs> All right, we have a voicemail from Lucy. Which I have Thank not you. heard yet, so... I did. I did. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Lucy. It has been a hot minute since I've sent in a voicemail. I have a lot of catching up to do on all the podcasts. I talked to Reddit about this. But I am getting back on track. I spent all day binge listening to your past several episodes. And I've now listened through your LeakyCon episode. Your episodes are just so refreshing and really remind me of the type of community I'm trying to build. So thank you for the fantastic work. 
LeakyCon sounds like so much fun. I really wish I could be there, but I'll have to try next year. And in traditional Lucy form, I have a question for you. The newly announced Harry Potter show claims to stay true to the books much more than the movies did. So what would be the one book that you really want to focus on getting those details right for the show? I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks. Thank you, Lucy. Not me about to cry over here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just about did when she said she had benched watched. I or listened. I I tear I yeah, I teared up a bit. Yeah, it was kind of funny because her and I were like emailing back and forth about something else yesterday. And I was like, oh yeah, like, well, I'm just doing stuff today. I'm going through and I'm listening to like your past eight episodes because I got super behind. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm binge listening to all your old episodes today, too, because I also got behind. <laughs> so it's just funny. She is the sweetest. I know. We're keeping Lucy. We like her. She's our she's yeah. our new pet. Yep. She's going to listen to that and be like, Michelle, I am not a pet. Yes, you are. You're our, you're our other pet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> on to your question. I have a feeling we're going to have the same answer on this. And uh-huh. it would be Half-Blood Prince. Uh-huh. Because a lot of reasons. It's my favorite book. And I feel like uh-huh. a lot of the major themes and major story arcs like and character development is all sacrificed because they just turn it into like petty teenage drama. And they miss so much of, like, Tom Riddle's backstory and Dumbledore's manipulation of Harry in the situation. We miss pretty much all of Harry and Ginny's relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, even... You know, here's the thing. We finally have Snape as a defense against the dark arts teacher. We see nothing of that in the movies. It is criminal that we do not have the line where they're practicing nonverbal spells. Snape turns to attack (laughs) Harry. Harry just without even thinking, just goes Pratigo throws up the shield charm that makes Snape's spell bounce off of it and hit him back. Snape stands up and he says, do you remember me telling you that we were using nonverbal spells, Potter? And Harry just goes, yes. And Snape says, yes, sir. <laughs> and Harry's just like, there's no need to call me sir, professor. <laughs> Do you think, though, hold on, that Daniel Radcliffe and Alan Rickman could have gotten through that without laughing and there being like a million outtakes? See, that's why you have multiple camera angles so you can switch behind and deliver this one line at a time. Because <laughs> I can b- imagine both of them just, like, losing it. Oh, I would be terrified to try to interact that exchange with Alan Rickman, even knowing our lines ahead of time and knowing he's expecting me to say that. I would still be terrified. <laughs> and apparently he was, like, one of the nicest actors on set, so... And but very still. good with the children. So, but I would still, I'd be like, I'm sorry I screwed that up. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm horrible. You must hate me forever now. Or the, uh, 
Runo Waslib nickname thing. Because, <laughs> you know, Harry has the book with all of the notes in it that he's been using to cheat at potions all year. And Snape is like, go get me your potions book now. And so Harry brings Ron's potions book. And mm-hmm. Snape is just like, this is your potions book? Harry's like, yeah. And he goes, then why does it have the name Runo Waslib written in it? And Harry's just like, that's my nickname. And Snape is like, your nickname? And Harry's like, yeah, that uh, my nickname. Like, you know, what my friends call me. <laughs> Snape is just like, I know what a nickname is, Potter. <laughs> have you... Have you seen um, the meme of of, of that? Um, it's oh, it's so funny. I thought I had saved it, but basically, it's like, um, oh, and everyone calls you that, and then you've got Lee Jordan walking by, going, "Runel, what's up, man?" Uh, <laughs> then you've got the twins, and then they, they do it too, and then Malfoy going back up uh, by behind him, going. Oh, Waslib, you know, and Snape <laughs> just goes oh, and pinches his nose like, no, what? Mm-hmm. You know, Brilliant. so yeah, it just, it's so funny. It makes me laugh. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the same thing. If I have, to, if, if you want my second answer, if you don't want me cupping right on that, but again, I think we're on the same page with that. I will say Goblet of Fire. Mm. Longest book, shortest movie. Give me more Quidditch World Cup and less of dragon flying around chasing Harry around the castle. That was the stupidest trade-off. I Nobody Jordan asked for that. Not wrong. Nobody wanted that. We all wanted Quidditch. The dragon barely even leaves the ground. Like, Harry just tries to get it to leave the ground, and then he swoops in and gets the egg, and he's done. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. So many issues with that one. Mm Mm-hmm. So many issues with that. I just... Yeah. Um... I want to see more of the Quidditch World Cup, too. Uh, I want to see more of the students interacting with other students from the other schools. Yes. And not weirdly gendered Bobatons and Durmstrang. Like, they were co-ed schools. Right. And the whole, do they always travel in packs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that that would be... Those are our answers. Yeah. Yep. And I think we agree on, on both of those. Yep. So, you know, if you're like, no, you have to pick something else. Reda said that. Fine. <laughs> That's my second answer. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, now, we have a comment on Anchor. On episode <laughs> 28, uh, which was one of our phone call grab bag episodes. Uh <laughs> Addie, our other favorite, responds, y'all did awesome. By the way, I found your missing brain cell and it's on the way, along with a little surprise for LeakyCon. I would like to know 
Where are you found? It's because she's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. But where did she find it? I don't know. I've been looking for that for a very long time. I was wondering if you had it because I thought you had it. It was your turn. It must have gotten sidetracked down to where Addie lives on the way from Pennsylvania to Colorado. Well, no, from Colorado to Pennsylvania because you had it last. Uh. (laughs) I lent it to you. You said you needed it. (laughs) Uh, Well, either way, thank you for finding it and sending it back to us, Addie. (laughs) And a little surprise. I'm I'm curious. I I can't wait to see what that is. I know. Because... Like, I know she has my address because we've, like, mailed stuff back and forth before. But then we also have our, like, P.O. box for the podcast, which is, like, you're the one who gets to check the P.O. box. So I'm, I'm curious. Right. Either way, we can't wait to see what it is. Yeah. So. All right. So no emails this week. However, I do have a little shout out. And I didn't, Brett, I didn't even tell you about this. Oh, boy. So. Well, you know what an awesome night Friday night was at work for me. Um, then Saturday night, you know, I'm having another good night. Not the same kind of good, but good. And my next to last table, I had forgotten something. Uh, and I was like, you know, guys, excuse me. Like, I my brain is now on vacation mode. Like, like I, I can't, yeah. And um, they're like, oh, where are you going? And of course I blush because I'm just like, I can't believe I'm admitting to this. The uh, convention. To <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not just that I'm, I, it's the fact that, it's not that I'm ashamed of going to a convention. It's the fact when I tell people this is my vacation. Yep. Uh, so I told them, you know, where I was going and turns out one of the ladies is a big Harry Potter fan and she's a Snape fan. It was a party of five and we were just talking back and forth and I did show her some of the pictures. Um, and they told me they hoped I had a great time and they're going to come back and see me after August. Aww. They want to see pictures. They want to hear how it went. I told them about the panels and they were so excited for both of us. Aww. And I, they put me in such a good mood. And, and and the one gentleman, he actually asked the name of our podcast and said he was going to go listen to it. Shout out to you, Mr. Man. I don't know your name, but shout out to you. I, I don't even think he told me his name. But one of the la- ladies at the table, her name was Loretta. Ah, perfect. She, she actually goes by Retta as well sometimes. And she told me... To tell Loretta that Loretta said hi. Hi back. <laughs> I love meeting people with the same name as me. <laughs> so, but, you know, when I tell tables I'm going and they're actually, I mean, their eyes all lit up and they were so thrilled for us and so excited for us. And they were also nice and polite to begin with. I mean, they were one of the nicest tables I've dealt with ever. Hands Aww. down. But then to have them all happy and excited for us, that was just. Yeah. 
And then I found out like shortly after that, uh, to use restaurant terminology for y'all, I was cut, meaning my, my shift was coming to a close. I wasn't taking any more tables. And I just was walking around doing my side work, rolling my silverware and cleaning my section with the biggest smile on my face due to these people. It was just, yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Like you got, you guys really made me happy and really made me thrilled. And it was a pleasure talking to you guys and thank you guys so much. So that's my shout out. So. All right. We're ready to wrap up then, I think. Yes, we are. All right, guys, don't forget we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Discord. The link is in the show notes. And we would love to hear from you guys. So please send us a voicemail or an email. Leave a comment on Spotify. Uh, the link for all of that is in our show notes. Um, or you can send us an email at GryffindorCommonRoomPod at gmail.com. All right, next week's topic, we will be discussing potions of what we know of them, our top five favorite potions, um, all sorts of things, all, all potion-esque. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun be a episode. Cool I know, I like talking potions. All right. Yeah, we're all good then. Thank we're you all, all for good. joining us again in the Gryffindor Common Room. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm your host, Michelle. Thanks, and guys. we'll see you all next week. I almost forgot the Indian music. <laughs>